0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's a goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans, episode 127.
1: (laughs) Hey, folks. Welcome back. Uh, we're doing some really amazing technical handiwork here. Uh, watch your glasses there uh, rubbing up against the microphone, right? There, if you don't mind, Dwayne, thank you, uh, folks. We got Dwayne is uh, here with us, uh, the who works for the Golf Restoration Network, and uh, was a former program director for WWOZ. Uh, we're, we're suffering through some technical uh, issues. We couldn't get the music to come out of Joel's laptop. Some are rushing I've been out of town for three And years. so we're just like playing it off the phone in order to uh, do do yeah. what we do. But that's how we do it on us at goodlifebabe.com. Jeff and Joel's Tales from New Orleans podcast. Authenticity. Yeah, it's super authentic. Uh, we don't hide
0: behind our mistakes. We push them at you. <laughs>
1: that's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Dwayne, you know a little bit about that in your career, I assume, as the program director at OZ for 18 years. That's probably a good place to start. Yeah. I think. Uh, um, it was a start, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, well, I'll say this. Dwayne, I know you really, I mean, obviously seeing you around town for years, but not knowing you. And then I started seeing you in the gym every day at the normal. I don't living. see you
2: anymore. Though.
0: I Well, I, I'm not a member of that gym anymore. I swim <laughs> okay. in the Tremé Community Center for free. Is what I do now. Are you still on that same routine? That still you
2: the same routine. Yes.
0: It was like the four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm not breaking privacy issues here, but it was a mellow time at the New Orleans Athletic Center, uh, which is what the the
2: country's oldest. I think it's the oldest or second in,
0: oldest. Right. They've got like boxing. The They've got the really nice pool with the giant they atrium. Got a bar. Mm-hmm. they Got a bar. They have They've a. Have a they, they have a. Have a, li- a li- yeah, they have yeah, a library. The, and library, library. Yeah, the reading room would. Uh, reading room and, it's racquetball, basketball. It's it's pretty freaking awesome, and c- you know comparatively around the country, it's not that expensive. You know, it's yeah. it's it's pretty. I mean, I always, I was actually thinking, I went to a gym a couple of days ago in DC that was Equinox, that's pretty high end, and I thought if I was ever going to be homeless, maybe I would just like get a good gym membership, you know, yeah, and hang out there sense. most of the time. You know, if gems will just have a room where you could talk on your phone, that's the one thing that' lacking. <laughs> but Dwayne, I, I always ran into you there, and uh, and we just, you know, whatever, just casual talking and stuff. And that's when you were back at OZ, right? Uh, that was yes, that was back 2012, 13, 14, something still like that. there, yeah. Yeah, man. So what? What? Uh, when did you start working at OZ?
2: Started, well, the first time, oh my God, It was like probably 88, 89. Yeah. And I was the membership director then in the old office over on St. Philip and St. Claude. Yeah. Stayed there for about six months and then moved on and worked for the Jazz Fest. Went away to live in Austin, worked over there for a while, but then came back to New Orleans in 98. Okay. And after swearing that I would never live here again because it was dirty, it was crime-ridden, the educational system sucks, blah, 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 blah. Where are you blah. from? Here in New Orleans. Okay, you're from New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. First generation. <clears throat> okay. Uh, excuse me. Uh, but came back in 98, and um, just it was like I hadn't left at all. It was, it was home. New Orleans is home. I. Can't, yeah. I will never say I will leave forever, ever again. Where, where did your parents come from? Mississippi. Okay. Uh, my dad is from uh, Jackson, and oh. my mom is from this tiny town called Woodville. Okay. Woodville. <laughs> Not Woodville 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 yeah. Woodville Yeah right <laughs> So uh, but they both They moved here Independently I guess In the 50s Okay Met each other And you know On the result of That time together Yeah And then there are Two other siblings So Nice Are they yeah. still in New Orleans Still in New Orleans They're all still here In New oh, Orleans Oh Yeah 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 What part of town Do you live in these days These days Yeah I know that's part of the witness protection program. <laughs> really no, I'm <laughs> I'm in Mid-City. I've been there since I moved back, and uh, I have to say it's probably my favorite part of the city to be in. Yeah. Uh, just because there's a lot to do there, I can be there all weekend if I choose to and not drive if I don't want to. Sure. Just, you know, walk to the grocery, walk to get a bite to eat at it. Um, you know, any restaurant around there because there's so many restaurants in me mean, that that that, yeah. that Carrollton Canal Zone is just like, yeah. there's something there's new so popping much. up all the time. Yeah, that's right. right. So, um, and it's easy to get to any place I want in the city. I mean, I can totally. like, be on I-10 like in two minutes or downtown a quarter like in ten minutes. No, I agree, yeah. <laughs> Totally, yeah.
1: I think it's safe to say that uh, Sue's new place is going to be right there. Yeah. By the way, you remember that she is Sue Zimanek. Yes, that's she, right. Yeah, she's
2: taking over the, the old uh, was it Route Twenty One?
1: Yeah, Route Twenty One. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we got the in inside October. scoop on that. She on came on the, the podcast. On the, on the podcast, yeah. Really? Like, yeah, before
0: our little respite. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> so, eighteen years at OZ, uh, you were with the uh, membership drive at mm-hmm. first. Is that how it like? Is I look? Can we just for a second just talk about how great OZ is? I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast yeah, and it's, on in, right it's on in the background right now. It's on in the background right. It's always in the background, not just because of your presence, Twain, but we always have it rolling in the background on our podcast. And you know, it's very meaningful to us and our listeners. Um, I have not known too many people who have worked there. We've had Cunin, David Cunin, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Derek Smoker Freeman on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we've had some DJs on. Um, my sort of loose understanding is the, the folks to, to all volunteer all volunteer community radio station mm-hmm. and the folks who work there are your, your membership director, your program director and station manager is that kind station of station like,
2: manager, CFO, yeah. operations, uh, community outreach, etc. Mm-hmm. I think all told uh, there may be 18 staff members 18 to 20 I haven't looked at the numbers since I. yeah. Did. Left two years ago, but uh, at that time we were like around the 20 mark. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because when I was at Ozzy the first time back in the 80s, there were five of us. Yeah. Hmm. Right. And and that was like back in the early, like the late 80s. And then when I came back in uh, 98, uh, one, two, three, maybe eight of us, eight, nine of Uh us. Uh Yeah. And then um, as time went by, we added another person in development then um, Katrina happened and then we came back and things just really snowballed. It's kind of weird that it took a disaster to make the station grow the way it did mm. and to get the kind of attention that it did. It's like all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you, uh, it's the end of a TV, the, uh, a TV show at the end of a season, you come back the next season, it's like flash forward in five years or something like that. And for us, it was kind of like that little flash forward, like it's like we went from, um, you know, one level up two or three levels. Yeah, had so right, much, right. not just local recognition, but national and international recognition. And
0: probably giving as well, I assume, during yes. that period, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, at post, uh, post-K, post uh, when we set up in Baton Rouge at LPB, uh, we actually relied on archived radio shows that people had collected and uh, sent to us to keep the, get the music back on the wow. airwaves. Holy cow. Uh, that's yeah. good. It's great. <laughs> like old tapes uh-huh. of Ernie Cato. Yeah, of and, course. And Ready Teddy. So there were mailing tapes. There were mailing tapes. In mailing and actually. the C- albums, yeah, whatever. Whatever they had just sending to us. And we actually yeah. were having it digitized up yeah. in uh, the, the New York metro area. Uh, Brad
1: Brewster contributed to that. I some.
2: don't remember. Those mm. brain cells are dead now. Okay. I'm, <laughs> 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 I'm old. So you were
0: all these tapes stuff were coming to a place in New York. They were digitizing and then and sending, uploading yeah, to your
2: server. Uploading to our server, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, at that point in time, I mean, I don't know if you lived here at the time, but uh, New Orleans didn't have a whole lot going on for quite some time. Sure. Yeah, uh, mid city was pitch black. I mean, I was one of the f- first people to come back, really, and lived in mid city. Got to my place, and um, there were no lights once you got to Claiborne Avenue. Like the interstate was like the line of demarcation for electricity. Sure, it was like yeah. driving into pitch black. Like what the what the. Eh? Am I getting myself into, because I can see, I can't see what's what going on around me, but everybody can see me driving. Right, together. exactly. And there's nobody else living in Mid-City at times, so and yeah. my landlord at the time. Uh, but over the months, we just put it all back together, and uh, when we were set up in Baton Rouge, there were DJs driving in from New Orleans, and it's state here. Um, some from uh, like Lafayette, Lake Charles, instead an easy driving area for them. To come in, instead of doing their regular shows alone, <clears throat> they would also do like a show after that, like a New Orleans music show, that the blues and R&B show. Or that would be like
0: that. played later or? No, they'd play, they play, they'd go play straight into back. it and do like, you no know,
2: five-hour gotcha. shift somehow. Wow, holy shit. And uh, because, I mean, let's not forget that we had a curfew here in the city after, That's right. I forget, mm-hmm. was it after dark or after midnight yeah, or whatever, the, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I broke the curfew so many times I can tell you. Did you get hassled? Oh, same here. Did I get
0: hassled? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I heard a lot like of, I, get I
2: heard a lot of, but well, with, uh, <laughs> what do you call the, uh, the National Guard, the,
0: the privatized security that was here, uh, what do you call them?
2: Mm, they had a lot of, there was a National the, Guard the here for quite some time.
0: Black,
1: uh, oh, but the, yeah, they had those guys were here. There were so many different ones Black Ops. No, no, was, the it's Blackwater is Blackwater. What
0: called. Yeah, Blackwater. Yeah. Ex military mm. military people were doing private security mm-hmm. here. And they were hassling people, like pulling them over if they were driving out at night be you know, like in mid city, like
2: you yeah. were saying.
0: Um past curve
2: Maybe forward. got stopped
0: once. Like I knew some females who got stopped a lot and mm-hmm. it was kind of an aggressive tone, like a rapey tone mm. from the Blackwater guys. Yeah, I, yeah. I
1: knew. Yeah. It was strange times. You you heard a lot of different crazy. Yeah, there were some strange things going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: But yeah,
0: how long you guys were? uh, How long were you in Baton Rouge?
2: Oh my God, Um, maybe four months, three, four months. Yeah, Uh, because I know was was commuting between Baton Rouge and New Orleans for months. Like coming down, cleaning up the apartment, all that sort of stuff. And um, excuse me. before we could find a space because when we got back, the studio in Armstrong Park couldn't be used because all of the wiring, phone lines, etc., yeah. were submerged. They were underneath the park. Yep. And that part flooded, ah, so we couldn't there. do anything there. It's done. So uh, Damon Jacob was the chief engineer and still is the chief engineer after like 74 years, <laughs> even though the station's like maybe 40. Um, <laughs> And uh, David Friedman, who was the general manager at the time, and I would come down in town and look at different locations to figure out if it was feasible or not. Right. And um, it didn't take too long to find something. The space became available in the French Market Corporation building. A lot of their employees left, did not come back to Post-K. They had a lot of space available. And I said, hey, how, how about you guys take us over? And we had half of the second floor at first. Um, then uh, they had some changes and they rearranged space and we wound up ha- getting the, the entire second floor. Yeah, which, we st- which OZ still has. Yeah, so it's a good setup. You yeah, don't it was lose a good pow- setup. You don't lose power down there. We yeah. didn't lose power down there. We're high ground. That's right. Um, and for the first time ever, all of OZ was under one roof. Right. Because you know, pre-K, we had the business office outside the gates on uh, St. Philip and St. Claude, and then the studio itself was inside the gates. Right. So basically a block apart. Sure. And our fax machine was around the corner at the Jazz and Heritage Station. <laughs> <laughs> for a while, yeah, actually for a while it was. Uh, and, then, and a room for
1: bands to play live. Yeah. At the new facility. At the new yeah. facility, I
2: mean, in the in the old facility. You had
1: just, to cram in. You had to
2: cram everybody into, yeah. the control, into the control room, but with the expansion that we did made over in uh, in the French Market Corporation building, we. Actually created a, a performance area, right? So that was that's amazing. Still, yeah, of course, rec- recording facilities there, so we can actually record the music as it's being played. Yeah, because I was, I'm still speaking in the present tense. I'm like, no, I'm not there anymore. It's been two years since I left. Um, but two years is kind of nothing. Compared, two years, I know, right? Compared to
0: the 18 years plus the years before that.
2: Because right. I mean, I, when I left, I said I want two years to just exist. Right before re-entering this, this this working world, sure. And uh, yeah. I blinked, and two years had passed. Like, Goes fast. Yeah, right. It does. And it it yeah. did go fast. Did you,
0: let me ask you? Did you um, was it a laissez-faire kind of a two years, or was it like a were you doing like proactive like meditating or reading, or did you have like what level of structure versus complete like? Chaos. I guess there
2: was no chaos. I hate chaos. It's one of my yeah. big things. Anybody who knows me knows that. If if I see anything that's chaotic, I have to create order. It's like no, this has to be this way. Right. It's like I'm not a control freak much, but uh, <laughs> it's like chaos makes me crazy. It's like yeah, yeah, make this work better, make it more efficient, time efficient, space efficient, whatever. Um, but that period for me was a time to get some rest because I mean I spent 18 years yeah at as program director, which meant being on call 24-7 sure like every day good DJ year. doesn't
0: show or is running late yeah, I will never whatever.
2: forget Mardi Gras Day I won't mention a year but it's Mardi Gras Day and I got a, a call saying that the DJ couldn't figure out how to turn something on in the control room at the time and this was maybe t- 10, 30 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm in the middle of the crew of St. Anne just like wild and crazy with everybody else and like seriously, I've got to go back and hit that button, one right. little button. That button. Yeah. <clears throat> with a bunch of friends that, you know, like anybody who lives here knows that if you split up from your friends on Watergate Day, chances are you're not going to find that's them. Right. At, you know, fortunately I did find them. You know, I was Good. like, this is where I'm going to be at this time, be there. Um, and that's how we made it work. But, you know, it's just knowing that at any point in time, any of us on staff, or most of us, not everybody, but a lot of us on staff, we're on call and had have to go in and take care of things. Yeah, you know, the radio station was a wasn't a nine-hour-a-day sort of gig. It's 24/7. You totally. tune in, you want to hear oz If if you're in, in 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 Belgium somewhere, you're tuning in, you want to hear it. If you're in uh, Antarctica, where we actually had listeners down there, um, you want to hear it, no matter what, no matter what time of day. So we had to make sure that that was always available.
0: So so coming back in '98, I'm curious. You're talking about Belgium. Listeners around
2: the world. I just pulled that from out of my.
0: Bed. But that's one of the things about OZ that's so awesome. Because when I've been away, and so many people come on our podcast, go back and forth, leave for a job, come back, get drawn back, like you said you did from Austin. But OZ is always there. Always. You know? So at 98, where was the internet?
1: It's, it's a good life, babe, is also there. Shout out to our listeners in Belgium. That's right. by Belgium. Because we are Belgium. international.
0: We have, they've got the Japanese, we've got the
1: Germans. That's right. Yeah. You know, all it's good, exactly. The um, Dutch. Yeah, you can like. You Australian.
0: got yeah. Australians. We do have like one Australian. I don't know who that is, but mm-hmm. we have like one. Um, have to work on that one. But <laughs> exactly, going to sign up some friends. Ninety um, eight was how far into the internet was Oz when you got back in ninety
2: eight? We already had, had a website. Yeah, um, at that point in time. And we were really giving a lot of attention to streaming, I and mean, we were streaming at the time. like so I think we were one of the first stations actually that really dove into it and realized that it was a future for right. you know <clears throat> radio, uh, for music in general. That's what I you thought know. too. I thought
0: you guys were ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, we were way ahead
2: of the game on a lot of things. Yeah, which is kind of surprising and scary. I mean, even with social media. Yeah. You know, I remember this thing called Facebook, and like, oh my God, we need this. Like, get everybody on this, and get the station on it, and because there's so much that can happen, and look at us, you know. Right. How Many years later, I'd have to go back and see how long ago we became friends, but um, it's always been on that edge, that cutting edge of, of what's new and what's going to you know, get people to listen and pay attention to what's going and
0: on. Where's that come from? Because New Orleans isn't known for being on that edge, and OZ is New
2: Orleans' music because right? you Was have it the people in the building, Was the people you? in the building. I mean, yeah. those of us that pay attention to trends and are just really. Take the 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 time to educate ourselves on what's going on and explore. Uh, I have to say, I man, over the years there's some tremendous and tremendous people that have crossed that threshold yeah. and worked at Oz. I mean, I go down the list of you know uh, Crystal Gross, Lauren Del Rio, Scott Bourne, Dee Lindsay, who is still there. Dee was there when, <laughs> when I got there, and she's still there, and she's holding on as our liaison. I'm Ariza DeJohn and, and, and Damon and. Um, in Jorge, I mean, these the guys in Long Gone. Now Russell, uh, Shelton. You know, yeah, I mean, there was a period where I call it the the golden age, where like we were like almost inseparable and shoulder to shoulder, making sure everything happened. Mm. Is it kind of and, like and
0: SNL it, cast or something? Like over the years, your the cast the
2: it really it sort was. Of changes you know, it really was year to year. And you know, and um, era to era. Even all you know, the years later, we're still a bunch of us very, very close, even though we don't work together anymore, many of them have moved on, yeah. but we still maintain contact, whether it's, you know, get together for drinks somewhere or, you know, an engagement party a few weeks ago or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but we maintain contact with each other, texting on occasion going, I missed your face and something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's family, you know, and that's the thing, I mean, and that's one of the things that, you know, we promoted that I promoted. About the station Is that we are One big dysfunctional family <laughs> You know It's just I mean we're not perfect None of us are perfect Yeah And we just embrace it And have the doors open To everybody to come in there And just be a part of it
0: Yeah Yeah
1: Same. When you When you started Was Jerry Brock Still there?
2: Jerry or was long gone Long I mean, gone I got by the, Even that. the first time Right huh. It's so funny because um,
1: So he, if, mo- he must have only been there Like Four or five years, or something like that. I at the very no beginning, idea. not even that much. I have no
2: idea. Not, no, no idea, right? I think I skipped that chapter when I was reading the book. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's so funny because before Oz, I um, worked at this place called the Volunteer and Information Agency. Uh-huh. Uh huh. First off, as director volunteer, not director, uh, volunteer recruiter there, and then. I switched over to INR, information referral. But when I was doing volunteer recruitment for seven parishes in the greater New Orleans area, uh, WWOZ was one of the places that I had to find volunteers for. Mm. And at that point in time, they had so much turnover in who was the general manager or any other position. I just I kept all that information in pencil, seriously. So, you could erase. It. So, I could erase and put the next contact in. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, but it's true. Right. And um, when I started uh, in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, uh, Wiley Rollins was the general manager and Laura Grunfeld was the uh, assistant general manager. And that's when really there were signs of stability in the station where people actually started sticking around. Mm,
1: mm -hmm. Uh,
2: When I started there with Laura and Emery White, the late great Emory White, Virginia Prescott, who has gone on to do tremendous things in public radio, uh, and I were the, 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 there was the five of us. Mm, Right. Making things happen with a bunch of volunteers. And with that, it's when things start to stabilize. Uh, Wiley left. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, after that, Yvette Smothers. Pff, um, and then, after Yvette, David Friedman, who at that point in time was on the uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Foundation board of directors but had a background in public radio, said, You know what? I want to step off the board and manage the station, hmm. get back into public radio. And that's what happened. David got in there, and little by little, um, the staff grew, OZ grew, things stabilized even more, and you know, look at it now, you know, um, Yeah you know. So it, it was just that finding the right people to bring stability to the station, sure, you know, bringing a little order to the chaos that was there, you know. Uh, and the chaos was like the talent. It, um, could, it could be. It could <laughs> be. I mean, you think about it. I mean. <laughs> There are, when you have people that are artistic or knowledgeable, you can be a little eccentric sometimes. That's right, of course. It comes with the territory. Of course it does. You yeah. know, and... Uh, I mean, come on,
1: it's legendary now. I mean, they, it, it made it and into The television, sh- television show, you know, you know where right? like this, yeah, this... Although
2: I look nothing like the person that played me. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't behave that way. <laughs> no, you didn't. No. I was like, that's no good. <laughs> so that that's is no good. Me.
1: No, bad Tremaine. Bad
0: Treme. is a drinking game. Every time I do something bad, I <laughs> take a drink. That's and right. And you're loaded. But, <laughs> but Treme was great because
2: it did bring attention to the, to this area and what we were dealing with. That's right. So yeah, absolutely. And it helped boost, I mean, boost OZ's uh, visibility like internationally. Like crazy, I'm sure. Like cra- right. crazy. crazy. Because like
1: when that was going down, you know, it was really like when the, the, you know, nascent momentum of, Social media was really starting to mm-hmm. jump off mm-hmm. at that point, you know. Yeah, because just before that, you still had is it going to be Facebook or MySpace arguments, you know what I mean? It was like, Friendster was like yeah, a dark horse. Yeah, yeah, Friendster was like a dark horse. What was
0: that? Friendster was a dark horse. I don't the remember. That. They well, just there were other like social another one media that platforms, you know. Could have got in there.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and so OZ was on top of all that, and then uh, suddenly uh, the international audience seems to grow and seems to become even uh, kind of a funding base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that true?
2: Oh well, yeah, definitely. I, mean, um, I don't know if it's still true, I'm sure it is, but when I was there, it was, it was 35, 40, 50% of our donations came from outside the metro area. Yeah, So people listening online.
0: Did you guys get to a point where you were raising so much money, you were like, "What the never. fuck do we do with this money?" Never, no. 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 Just never, just to never. Keep That never happens. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. You must not have
2: ever worked in a nonprofit, have you? I have. Yeah. <laughs> but have you ever heard the words? We don't.
0: I worked at the Contemporary Arts Center in two stints in yeah. my career, and and that no, there's not enough money in the world to ever. Make work ever. You're ever. always you're always running on a deficit, yeah. for sure. But OZ, I could see being at a place at some point where there could be so much money flowing in but I guess not.
2: I guess as much as the money, there the money you alive, get in. you're, you're expanding your technology but we're using that to expand the technology yeah. and the you know, reach, their
0: reach. Right. Yeah. yeah that makes total sense Yeah.
1: well and every time you expand too there's like a maintenance bill that comes along with it anytime you know, I want to so. go to a
0: second line now I'll say this, I mean one of the things that's improved New Orleans culture for me mm-hmm. over the last three decades is that I can go to oz on a sunday and know i'm gonna get the second line route right. and that was not true six years ago i don't think eight mm, years ago ten years ago,
2: six probably about six years now it yeah. rocks
0: out right that's what i'm saying and like that's someone's doing that someone's getting paid right. to do that or volunteering or whatever so yeah putting the money back
2: put good. the money back to you yeah you're right share the music and culture with everybody that's right exactly because
0: where else are you going to go exactly how uh, speaking of that uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Foundation how closely is OZ tied in because that's that's, I always tell people the license
2: for OZ is owned by the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Foundation oh shit I didn't know that yes is that Wiley now it should be yeah It's, it's not a secret okay uh, but yeah it's the it's the foundation is the parent organization okay so yeah so you got like the heritage I, yeah. oh, okay.
1: I knew so, that there was a link but i didn't know exactly what it was yeah. it was that they have the ownership of the license right yeah okay
2: like i mean they were like one of the first steps in bringing stability to the station actually oh good by you know, providing a certain amount of money each year to help keep the good. station running.
0: And you know it's a goodlifebabe.com. jeff and Joel sells from new orleans are super pro advocates of the New Orleans Jazz Festival um, and we talk about it all the time but the fact that people complain about an $80 ticket, it's like A, that's a lot of great value for the 80 bucks or whatever B, what the foundation does in this community mm-hmm. to support the culture here mm-hmm. is outstanding
2: and it's, let's, let's not forget that they have Free music festivals throughout the year. Congo yeah, that's Square right. fest. You've got that's Congo right. Square. You've got Treme yeah, You've right. got uh, the Cajun Zydeco. You got Crescent City Blues and barbecue. And you've got those little jazz shows over at their building. Right. On, all free. On Tampa, Rampart. All.
0: Free. That's right. Yeah. Go see freaking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and they
2: so. can, you know, give grants out to artists, musicians in yeah, the city. That's so, right. Yeah. To help with as much as they can.
0: Yeah. Don't so, don't hate on Jazz Fest. Anyone. No. You'll get squashed by this podcast. Yeah,
2: <laughs> producing an event that size is not cheap.
0: What's your uh, what's been what's been your sort of working uh, professional experience with the Jazz Fest?
2: I used to work for Jazz Fest.
0: So did, I, did you do oh, stage yeah? management? Um,
2: I was in the um, promotions office. Okay. With uh, Anna Zimmerman and uh, Lewis Edwards and Matt Goldman, Susan Mock, Bay so Foster, G. Matt oh. G. has
0: been on the pod. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah, was,
0: Dave Foster, friend of the pod.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, it's it's so weird because I mean, there's so much interconnectivity in this city. Yeah. Uh, back when I was like with the Volunteer Information Agency, I, uh, along with the executive director, there, coordinated the um, the uh, Olympic trials, the spring trials that they had here. Mm. Back at Tad is mm. if you remember that. Is that, that where one? you sure. met Manny G? And that's no. where I met Matt when he, he was working. told that him. whole story, please. Yes, Hi. and yeah. then. Um, after that ended, I mean, Matt and I became friends. And I said, look, dude, there's a gig open at, at Jazz Fest. I think he'd be perfect for it. And he went for it. Look at him here now. He's still there. The way that...
0: Folks, go back and listen to the Matty G episode. <laughs> because the way Matty G told us that he went and he volunteered. Because of you. Uh-huh. I mean, and no one was there. Because it was the summer. And it wasn't a 365. Was super quiet. And when the head honchos came back, he just stayed. And they just assumed that he worked there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, he started cashing a check. <laughs> he worked for free oh, for like Lord. three months. Yeah, that's how it worked. That's a version of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, a version. There's a lot of What's truth. another there's version? A, there's a, there's a, lot of, a lot of truth to that story. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Like 89% of it's how true. Was that? How
0: was that Olympic trial experience for you? It
2: was amazing um, to be around people suppose Jenner there that year I mean Bruce Jenner was there yeah. Carl Lewis was there uh, f- what's her face Flo Flojo Flojo was there Flojo was there yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. that's when they had all Jackie Joyner all of them like the great that's track right. and field yeah, stars right. were there
1: yeah
0: that's kind of like the Jordan Bird
2: Magic Johnson era of track and field yeah
1: it, it, it was yeah truly. it was and
2: we had it here in New Orleans having anything like that since, but it was just an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And I got to know Matt because of that. Yeah, yeah. Or Matt got to know me as What
0: friend. was your, what, so how did you, how old were you, the, uh, not how old were you, but How like, old was I? How did you get into. I was into, a wee lad. How did you get into doing what you did? Like, did you intern somewhere? Did you, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you just fall into it? How what, like a get, jazz
2: fest, you mean? The
0: whole, yeah, I your profession is being around music and and wanted you know, to be a I mean, once I got producer, past the
2: uh, social service work sort of thing of it at, at the volunteer information agency and I switched over the music it all just clicked. Yeah. And it's the funny thing is true story. Um, I was at VIA at the time and said you know I would go around to different agencies and interview the folks in charge of volunteers and wrote a column like every week that'd go into Times-Picayune, looking for volunteers, blah, 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 blah. Right. And uh, back in the 80s, I met Jackie Harris, yeah. um, who was in charge of volunteers at that point in time. Yeah. Talked to her and I said, yeah, this sounds like something I want to do. So I actually took vacation time to volunteer at Jazz Fest. Okay. And uh, was in tr- we had the, the high and tight crew. Like, we actually rolled up the sides of the tents back then and rolled them as high and as tight as you could so that they didn't, if it rained, I, the I, water didn't get in it and like drop down. Yeah, yeah. And I'll uh, we'll never forget, it's like I you know, would see you know, f- uh, festival crews zipping around in golf carts and said, Well, I want to drive one. Yeah, what do I have do? That's do? Where I want to do? And that's what I did. I was like, I want to carve a cart in front of the Ray Band stage in Papa Wheelie. I gotta tell you, man, it's amazing how. And that's what it took. I mean, it's like someone's and I said, "Well, what I have to do?" They said, "You have to work here." I was like, "Okay, I can do that." The
1: the ubiquitousness and the impact of the golf cart at at outdoor festivals is pretty amazing, and probably deserving of a documentary. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody poised better to produce it than you, Joel,
0: Derek Smoker, Freeman, and the golf (laughs) cart uh, convoy. At Bonnaroo 2002, yeah, it's a famous story. As the sun's coming up on Sunday morning, uh, Monday morning actually after the Sunday night shows, yeah, to find some Atlanta strip club, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's it it is very cool to like come out there and see your name on a golf cart. It is. That's mine.
0: That's right. And it's even cooler to like put some tape over that name and steal that golf cart. (laughs) That's even. That's also equally fun.
1: It's better when you have fall you, off the side you and before? you survive, <laughs> I think. Right when
0: you crash or when you
1: crash, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the driver like makes a sudden turn and, and then rolls it and rolls it, yeah, that's
2: no rolling. So um, <laughs> we actually have to take a well, we I say we like I'm still doing it, but to get to drive the golf cart, you actually have to take an exam. To Are you be serious? To at, drive the, a at the jazz fest, you have to take an exam.
0: Like golf cart etiquette.
2: <laughs> if you're in this situation, uh, what do you do? If this uh, happens, what do you do? You right. run out of gas. What do you do? If you're going up a ramp or down a ramp, and this, what do you do?
0: Starting when? back in the day, they had that exam. Yeah, that's awesome, because too
1: many why you would get an F, man. Too many festival producers fail.
0: don't even think about those kind of
1: HR things.
0: Like I was given golf carts way too young. Way too drunk, too many keys with no instruction.
1: What is it? I mean, is 43 is way too young? I just went crazy. I
0: was in my 30s, dude. (laughs) Way too young in my 30s.
1: To drive a golf cart at Bonnaroo. I was way
0: too young. and too high on acid. Speaking of LSD, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, Dwayne, on tonight. I know nothing. Is that um, one of the things that... You and I in our like sort of uh, scheduled conversations, you go to Burning Man every year. Yes.
2: How many years you've been gone? This will be my eighth.
0: Okay, eighth year. So when I was talking to you about it, that must have been like your fourth or fifth or something like that. That's it. I remember you telling me about like, because we're gonna get into this truck that you told us about right before we started rolling, but you were talking about a rental car that you got like in the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. and how long it took you guys to clean it out? Yes, that one year because they specifically say in the Bay Area you can't take these to bring me.
2: Well, Bay Area, well, oh, Bay yeah, Area, they make right. you sign a contract. They're not as strict in the Bay Area, like California, like Sacramento. effect like this year, like last year, I'm renting in Sacramento and driving over to Reno, yeah, which is like only an hour and a half, but it's like sixty percent cheaper to do it there than right. in Reno. Okay, because in Reno they are super strict about the cleanliness of the vehicle. I mean, when you are renting these things out to make money and then all of a sudden you've got a vehicle that's come back in that's trashed. right? Because someone left the windows open and the door open and all the dust from the playa, from the desert, gets in there. And uh, if you're like, you know, keep your AC on while you're in there, the air intake, it's getting in everything. Everything, like the yeah. ducts, everything. It's all over. So there are people who just don't care and let the dust get in there, like, ah, oh, just drop it off, some, my credit card, just fix it. <laughs> Which is not good for the, the, the business on the other end because they're getting these cars back and all of a sudden they're spending hours cleaning it. Sure. So with my, with my crew, I mean, we've got it down to the science now, we actually have a detailing kit in our storage unit in Reno Nice. So at the end of it, we've got break out the armor roll, the the wipes, it's like the windex, and just get onto the someone. engine, spray it all out, and just detail the fuck out of That's it. That's awesome. it's done. It's how long does that a,
0: take? How many people? How many, how many hours?
2: Maybe three or four of us do it in an hour. Nice that's not bad yeah no, you, go not self, bad. you go to the self you go to the self car wash yeah, it's not you get bad. one person hosing it down another with the brush yeah, yeah while that's going on someone's on the inside wiping everything down oh, that's vacuuming. Not bad. You we do the do engine do we, clean we do the engine clean we even get like the 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 the, the trim on the inside of the doors the rubber oh, yeah, yeah 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 the, yeah. the gaskets, yeah. all that yeah, stuff yeah, oh, yeah. everything it's like we could give it back to them better than, than yeah you should be like it.
0: an enterprise black card member. I should, right? Gold, bronze, black, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Whatever
2: it is, platinum. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. The good shit. Something that feels yeah. heavy in your hand. Yeah. Something like that's hurts to, to carry. Give it to me in bitcoins. <laughs> um, <but. laughs> no, but it's one of those things where it's kind of the, If you really embrace the whole Burning Man ethos, you leave things better than when you then you found them. Right. You know, don't leave it for somebody else to clean up after you. Right. Right.
0: How closely do you guys follow you and your crew, or you? Uh, the sort of
2: principles, the Burning Man principles. My crew, the Dunces, we're all pretty serious about it. Good. You know, leave no trace. When we're out there. We've got um, the a couple of people that. of that can we like re-recycle everything we can out there. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a place out there to I mean bacon's a big thing. Don't ask me why. It tastes great when you're out there. <laughs> um, but we actually have a, there's a place out there that collects bacon grease they recycle it somehow i don't know how but they do it they don't live in new orleans it's not the deep fry something else uh but um, metals are recycled i mean everything you can you just recycle it yeah reuse recycle reuse it and you know just don't keep taking 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 give something back yeah
0: Um, that's what i was reading about it like this idea of a gift mm mm-hmm Is that, I assume that's uh, metaphorical. It's metaphor
2: because you're not going out there expecting something. You're not going out, I mean, some people do. You sometimes make something that's handcrafted. Little medallions or shirts or little bags that pick up moop, which is matter out of place. Like whether it's the... the, 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 Moop. Moop. Moop, not poop, moop. Uh, Matter out of place. But, I mean, you don't leave anything behind. If someone brings, like, live flowers out there, which you shouldn't, and there are petals or leaves or pine needles. You pick it up, put it in your bag, and you take it out with you. Yeah. Because when we leave Black Rock City, which is in, in the desert, there by the time it's done, there are actually volunteers that stay after the, the 70,000 people are gone to go through every square inch of the space that we've been in and make sure there's nothing, not a feather, not a sequin, not a thread, not the tab from a, a cigarette wrapper, nothing. Yeah. And that's what you do, just like leave, don't trace, like there's there's no sign of us ever having been there. Like, it's like, you know, being black ops in the military. You know, and New Orleans has a really strong, vibrant Burning Man community. Okay. Um, We've been pretty heavily involved with that. I was on the board of of NOLA BRC for some time, for two years. And uh, with four other people actually started a regional burn here in the New Orleans area. This will be our third coming up in October. Oh, yeah? Where yeah. do you do that? Kentwood, Louisiana at the, no Lazy, way. Huh. At the Lazy Bee Ranch. Nice. Huh. How many people come out? We're keeping it small. Uh, we hit 300 last year. we just over 300. Nice. And we may go to 350, no more than 400 this year, depending on if we get enough volunteers out there because yeah. none of us are paid at all. Everything that happens at Burning Man and for the most not everything but we just depend a lot on volunteers with the regional burns volunteers from medical (coughs) excuse me medical to rangers to welcome you know greeters it's all volunteer driven
0: is that a word of mouth thing or do you guys there a
1: place our listeners can go your
2: listeners can go to engulfburn.org. engulf e-n-g-u-l-f b-u-r-n dot org or they can go to the Facebook page to find out about it and then but burning. the cool thing is, it's like 90 minutes away from New Orleans. You cross the lake and you're there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Any uh, surprise visits from Brittany? Brittany Spears? Who's she?
2: <laughs> She's from Kentwood. <laughs> I know that. And the first thing, the funny thing is, I'd never been to Kentwood <laughs> until we were looking for land and went over there and checked Damn. it out. And I was like, driving through Kentwood, it's like, now I know why Brittany got the got out of this town. Like, oh, sure. I, mean, there's, I mean, there's some super nice people over there. But I can't see someone that has that passion, that drive, staying there. Sure. Oh, sure, no, of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Burning oh, Man, though, oh, is baby, how, baby, how baby, many people now is Burning Man? Hmm? How many people go to Burning Man?
2: Seventy thousand these days. Tickets sell out usually in about fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah. And as of right now, people are still scouring the universe trying to find tickets.
0: And how many people from New Orleans that you know? It
2: varies from year to year. I'd say, all told, there may be 150 to 200 going out there.
0: Yeah. And you guys, are you guys know, a
2: collective? No, actually, um, you've got uh, members of uh, Trifecta here, um, I'm with the uh, Confederacy of Dunces after the book. Yep. Uh, they're the Swamp Fuckets, I don't think they're going out there this year, there's um, I didn't know there were two or three others I just can't remember the names sorry guys Yeah, yeah. it's been a long day as I've been packing to get stuff out of here yeah uh-huh. so you,
0: you were saying when you walked in that you you guys packed up a 18 uh,
2: 18 Wheeler. Wheeler yeah with a bunch of like the, the Trifuck is one of the biggest camps out there they have folks from New Orleans um, Las Vegas and I think some from LA and they basically take up the entire block and okay. create little pods of the different communities in there uh, but they had like the new orleans group has like this little playground and narnia and a few other things out there they have to break everything down to bring out there set it all up yeah so there are a few of us that get in there early before the gates open me for one
0: nice
2: uh to get all the camps set up and the things that are going to be there to amuse people intrigue them and and capture their their imagination is that
0: mostly visual and audio art or is it also are you doing just you're actually building um uh, domiciles
2: Everything. Yeah, everything. All in because when you get there, is nothing sure. there. There's nothing that lives but out there. There are no insects, no birds, no reptiles, nothing. Right. So we're out there. Some of us live in tents. I, it's me. I just live in tents. Funny thing is, before this, I wasn't even a boy scout. I'd never slept in a tent in my life. <laughs> uh, but some people bring their RVs out there. Some people have RVs brought out for them. Uh, <laughs> Rough, not, they rough it, they have it delivered. Uh, and there's actually even an airport out there during the event. It's really? For all the celebs and others the wealthy out. to fly in there, do their thing and fly out. Um but yeah, we, we tend to rough it, like our group and Trifucked are both on the Esplanade, which is like the it's basically saying the front row of the of the, the, the theater. Oh wow. So we're like front row center and Trifucked is like are you at, serious? At four o'clock in Esplanade. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the theater being a performance art Mm -hmm. venue, but
2: you've got it's set up like a clock, so it starts at uh, two o'clock and goes around like like and two o'clock, three o'clock, two fifteen. We're we're six forty-five, and the other New Orleans group is at four fifteen. Gotcha. On the Esplanade, which they out there say Esplanade, we always correct them. <laughs> or we serve Lemonade on the Esplanade. <laughs> uh, but trifectas is lots of art, uh, interactive art, and music DJs. Yeah. We are in a collective like Snowflake Village was made up of camps from around the north. We bring, bring that little extra southern something to it. We've got like our lounge there with a bar set up, Night of Joy bar. Um, and a couple of our DJs, like George Ingmeier, who's on OZ, he's like yeah. one of my best friends, and he's out there DJing. And a couple of other guys, a friend of Luca from New York, who's actually Italian by um, birth but lives in New York, goes out there and DJs and plays music. And uh, a friend of ours, Matt Mosley, does readings from the book yeah. and pretends to be Ignatius. I <laughs> think so I think about two years ago, two, last year, and the two year before that, we actually served hot dogs and had a, a hot dog cart out there to serve hot dogs to people. Wow. And that's the thing, you don't like go out there. Like a hot dog cart. Yeah. That's a, but that's the thing out there. You, <laughs> The only things you can buy out there are coffee and ice. And everything else you bring out yourself, your food, your water, whatever you're going to drink, whatever you're going to eat, even your own toilet paper. If you have to go number two, you better hope that somebody left a roll in there in case you can't make it back in time. Right. But what it is, is, I mean, for me, it's been an eye-opening experience, one of the best experiences of my life, next to going down to Cuba and Carnival and the storming of the Nakata anniversary, Um, but to go in there and be around 70,000 people that are intelligent and creative and just thinking outside the box is amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: And to know that you're out there relying only on yourself and that you are one of my favorite things really is to be cut off from the world for two weeks because you no twitter text, no twitter Facebook, no internet no cell phones no yeah. I mean you might get reception for like five or ten minutes at like sunrise when everybody is a significant number of people are sleeping <laughs> but that area is definitely not set up for 70,000 people on their cell phones or tablets or whatever yeah. it's like when I go out there I you know, check in with you know whoever's Watching my place or my family and say, okay, I'm about to hit the dust because you, you get off the asphalt You're in the dust and I said, okay, I'm going off off the road now and offline. Bye. Right. click,
0: Done done Then how many days is that? Two weeks. Yeah, it's the
2: best Oh wow, <laughs> It's the really 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 that's one of the best parts about it's just not getting that that information overload for you know, Yeah, that, time, that amount of time
0: And is it like is it more akin to like say a festival going experience or going down the rabbit hole in your deepest.
2: It's whatever thoughts, you or, well, want it to be.
0: And does it change from year to year? You can you?
2: find whatever you want, and sometimes you find things that you didn't know that you wanted. Yeah. Until you're out there, uh, I mean, they have DJs. A lot of clubs at the Rockstar Librarian post, uh, publishes all of the DJs that they know of that are gonna be out there on you know at different camps but it's not like you've got to stand in line to wait to see somebody just sort like of walk up to it and you just, there it is sure and meander over to something else so like for me just, and it's okay. so funny like my first year that I went out there I got the 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 the, um, the uh, guidebook the the schedule of everything that's going on in every camp which is music and yoga and this and that I mean that could share one with you like you'd go, oh my god okay um i don't know the audience here so i won't get too too adult but it's everything go for it go ahead <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> you just want to know don't you <laughs> you just yeah. want to know but it's a great place to, for people to explore who they are without any other influences around without the constraints of Quote unquote society around And people expect you To behave a certain way Right so You go right. out there You don't go out there Passing out business cards And saying Hi I'm Jeff I own this I do this I nah, 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 nah. It's just You're just out there Like enjoying the day The week The night Yeah um,
1: you know? I went one year I want to say 2002 Three Because uh, I was up In San Francisco I was editing uh, This uh, That movie about Italian baseball mm-hmm. um, This it's a movie That I worked on and, uh, you know, whatever, the, one of those coveted spots was available, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't have the money to do this or whatever. And they were like, no, you just got to go to the burner, man. You know, and so, so I went and, uh, and I just, I remember it. So it was so awkward because nobody had really ex- explained it to me at all. They were just like, yeah, man, it's the burner. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, all right, let's go. So you know? you've been? I have been, yeah, yeah. So you had no, you had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what to expect, and when, it, when I got there, I was like walking around, I was like, all right, okay, I can dig it, and and somebody had made a, uh, you know, an Irish pub, mm-hmm. um, some dudes from Ireland, you know, and so I went, I was like, oh, well, that feels familiar, let me go see in there, and I was like, can I just get one of those uh, <laughs> Guinness, uh-huh. you know, or something like that, and I was like, yeah. how much, and they're like, shh. You know, yeah. like it's not right. you can't exchange anything can't, for you money. Could, no, you know, nothing, right? yeah. not at all. and I didn't know. I didn't know what the rules were. So you had you know? no idea like, what you were getting into. No, I had no idea what I was getting into. You know, it's like we'll go in there for like five seconds, come out, and then there's just like a group of nude cyclists going uh, by. That was you Wednesday's know? the yeah, the naked yeah. bar crawl, yeah. Yeah, the naked bar crawl thing. <laughs> right. And then there's just people like <laughs> pumping music, different kinds of music everywhere and stuff. And at night, at night was I think the most surreal uh, thing because there's no light unless the moon is out and um, and whatever the ambient light is that comes from you know probably at that time forty five thousand people. When we o two times or something like that, o two o three. Oh, yeah. So it's
2: still small scale, probably maybe twenty five thousand, uh, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, twenty five thousand, something like that, and uh, and so it's like. And then people have made all these. There's a lot of people from the film industry, I, I believe, that are out there from, you know, who art department uh, type people. And uh, and there's just really clever inventions that people make for nighttime presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the longest time, and maybe even still, they had the giant moving pirate ship. It was a bus that um, it was a I little. Think that's still there. It was a full size bus that someone had crafted a. Uh, a pirate ship around, mm-hmm. and they took it out at night, and so you would just see this pirate ship, and it looks like it's floating on top of right, right exactly. Yeah, and then they the had the dark, the, the guy who had the. Uh, I mean, you know, at the time, I was super impressed still with
2: this. The, yeah, there's still the lady sassafras out there. Too. Oh, what Did is that? Remember? What is that? The sassa. Uh, it's a well. The base of it is a school bus that had uh, yes. A, uh, 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 paddle boat built around it.
1: Oh, there you go. And Maybe that's what it was, you know, my memory The funny be- thing
2: is Coco Robichaux was part of that group and oh, actually yeah. his, All right. his His bust is on the front of the Sass. Oh, that's now. great And I'll never forget my <laughs> first year out there. I actually saw him out there. I was like, I had no idea Huh? You know? But it's this big steamboat that's out there just driving around wow. And, uh, like, playing music, I mean, whether it's New Orleans music or the house or whatever they, the, the DJ wants. And that's the thing, too, is, like, they don't say you have to play this. It's whatever the person playing, mu- playing music wants to play.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I'll say at the time that, and, you know, maybe this is, like, kind of dampening the spirit of the whole thing. But, like, at a, little, a, a little bit, it was, it's like, you, at that time, you, you had to be careful out there at night. You know because mm-hmm. people are just they're in vehicles you know and there's like they're like going around it's pitch black and stuff and yeah and like who knows you know you might have like that's why taking a couple of mushrooms you know you something or something like that or something else but I think that mm-hmm. I, yeah exactly like like that's probably increased more now you know but then there were people just walking around seriously in the dead of night you're just walking and suddenly like who there's somebody, like, in your face, you know? And, and you realize happen. it, you know? still happens, I'm it's, sure. Or it yeah. still happens. Right. One of my
2: best friends, are like, we'll walk around at night, and we're all, like, well-lit with our L-wire on us or whatever, something that blinks or whatever and you yeah, walk. Right, right. LED clothing. LED yeah. clothing. Yeah, yeah, I LED mean, clothing. You know, all sorts of things you can do. Sure. And, uh, you know, somebody will walk by with no lighting. I was like, we call them dark wads, and we're not missing a beat dinner, so we'll go, you're gonna die out here. And just keep just keep, that. <laughs> well it's true. I mean nobody's hopefully nobody will, yeah, but man, you run that risk you when you've got big on. vehicles out there, these things are the sizes of boats. I mean, like there's one person that had a humongous yacht that they, they had out there. It's, yeah. it's still out there. Uh-huh. And if the driver happens to look away for a minute or you're lying in the dust with no lights on you, so you need to be lit up. And you're covered yeah, with yeah. dust, so there's no way of singing to you on top of it. Then you're a dark you can, wad. You're a dark wad. You might be a speed bump.
1: Yeah, yeah, you might be a speed bump. Sorry, dark,
2: dark wads become speed bumps. But then I also remember. I'm gonna start it, using that word dark wad.
1: I remember this too. That there was, uh, I was, I was with some people. It was like a, it was really was like a scene out of like an '80s movie, and. Uh, So these dust storms kick up, Mm -hmm. right, from time to time. And when they kick up, like, the lighting is really beautiful in a dust storm, right? So, like, the sun becomes very, very, uh, like, gauzed out completely, and, uh, and the light becomes extremely diffuse, And so the light was coming this way toward us, and there was this metal sculpture. And we were like, let's get to the sculpture, you know? We'll, mm-hmm. you know, and try to. So we wrapped our faces and put some goggles on. And so we're sitting there, and we just must have looked like, uh, you know, like Mad Max or something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, and in the, out of this uh, haze came this naked woman with like a silk thing mm-hmm. uh, with the light behind her right but, you know yeah. just like yeah. why so she's sort of silhouetted <laughs> it was like it really was it was ridiculous it was like something out of like a you know a Jerry Bruckheimer movie or something sure. like that right. you know but Brad it was it was pull. all perfectly lit and everything you know and like it was just kind of like yeah it's something that lodged in my memory mm-hmm. you know and uh And and there were there were other moments too that were great. Like I I liked the commiserating with people, like back at just hanging out back at the camp, you know, and enjoying time and conversation. Like you said, where you're off the grid, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and you you're you're unencumbered by the uh, the idea of being uh, disturbed by the outside world, you know, Mm -hmm. for a lengthy period of time.
2: And you're I mean I won't say you're forced, but it encourages you to actually interact with people. Yeah. To have a that's, conversation, that's right, yeah, It's sort of it like does. looking at that little what is this two and a half three by uh five screen, yeah, face down it's like hey, I talk, you're talking to someone, yeah. that's the cool thing like with 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 my camp, and I think a lot of others it's they're people from around the world in mine, we've got people from Great Britain, Nigeria, Italy, Cyprus, the Dominican Republic, Australia. Where else? Where uh, uh, the, the Samir is from. Uh, the, but, but. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Morocco. Mm,
0: right. Samir.
2: You know, we got Malaysian, Indian. I mean, it's like a nice international group of people. That, right. This is like extended family. Yeah, sweet. You know, but being out there, it's like it's 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 very surreal. Sometimes it can be a little like you're like walking through a Salvador Dali painting. You know what I mean? Totally. So, uh, but yeah. there are other times when it shows you what you're made of because you're living out in the elements yeah. where you can have nights down in the 20s or 30s or like last year, the surface temperature hit like 145 a couple of times.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, they had the, the fires out there right not far from us, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it was so hot that we had tornadoes out there. In fact, my camp got pretty much leveled last year. It's like we're looking at this dark cloud of of brown coming at us, like it's dust coming out of the tornado. What is that? It's like, oh dear God. How (laughs) far? Yeah, how far into the? Oh, it it whipped straight over us. There was like the big one and the small one. Was it the beginning of your of the? That was was that Monday or Tuesday? I think it was Monday, because our thing in the camp is if it's not built by Monday, you know, screw it. If you really are into it, knock yourself out and take it on, but the camp as a whole will not necessarily do it. Yeah. You know, we're usually finished by Monday. I mean, it's Sunday in the evening, Monday morning at the latest. Then you're done. You're and, done you're but done. this year, we had it all done, well decorated, people were loving it, and then this thing came it's through. It demolished. Right. I mean, we have everything secure. The tent stayed in place, but the street was so strong that even with the ratchet straps, it didn't blow away, but everything bent and went ah. over. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. It couldn't go anywhere except to the side. Sure. Right. Just, like, so, you know, we're out there, it's like, I mean, it's all over, we're you know, covered in dust. In fact, my friend Nancy's always talks about like, sick, like, I have PS, PTSD, I don't remember a lot of what happened afterwards. But we just went all hands on deck and a couple of handymen in our camp, we got the saws out and started cutting everything and reconfiguring it and putting it together. There was a group in from, I wanna say the Bay Area, that was actually barbecuing, like doing brisket and stuff like that, It's yeah. delicious. But they came out with trays of like grilled meats and just like, here guys, just we're gonna feed you until you do this.
0: Because it was such a small, like a tornado just came and yeah, hit just a pass, It just hit a po- hit portion. A yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. one of our
2: guys is wrapped in the tarpon and flying across the Esplanade, like tumbling, going, I mean, Gilbert's like, you know, like, I think he's like, maybe five, two or five, three. Yeah. And he's like, oh no. And it was his, it was his first bird. He's like, oh my God, I'm gonna die out here. And another friend was had just gotten the shower and she was like wrapped in a towel in tent being blown around going, I'm going to be found naked in my tent what's wrong with this picture um, but yeah when it's over we just got out there and rebuilt it all like in four hours and then done Right again. and then it's like we're done we Good. are so done yeah and it just, just <laughs> it's like I don't want to see a tool I don't want to talk to anybody we're getting lost and up tonight and we did but it's just it, but things like that bind you with the people that you go sure. through with And we still, like, look at it and laugh at it now. Yeah. like, remember when that happened? Well, the
0: fact that you're talking to one another and not getting outside information about what was that, like, on your phone, like Mm -hmm. you're saying. The fact that you're just with the people you're with.
2: Yeah. You know, and you're creating something this past weekend. Like, I told you that before I came over. We've spent the last week, week and a half creating new furniture to bring out there. It's recut, like bringing new poles, cutting everything down to size and tarps and this, and creating it here because it's so much easier to do that here in New Orleans than it is out in the desert. Yeah. And just shipping it all out there and yeah. on an 18-wheeler. Hopefully all of it will make it there. Um, and just starting all over again. You know, that's one of the things about Burning Man is that it teaches you about the impermanence of life and how there's nothing that lasts forever you know you've got these amazing pieces of art out there i think the first time my first burn was amazing because i got to 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 pull this this trojan horse across the desert that had a bar in the belly the thing was like huge like the wheels were 10 feet tall and it took hundreds of us to pull us off the it across and actually there's so many of us we pulled it off the blocks and start rolling towards people uh, and puss, <laughs> pushing people out of the way because they're gonna get crushed. But to have that experience, pull something in the place, have archers shoot flaming arrows in it, and watch it burn. It's like you just you're destroying something that took you months to create. It's like yeah it's just everything is nothing is permanent. That's right. You know, he's like you just like learn to appreciate it and let it go. Yeah. So, learning experience. Yeah, moments are fleeting. Yeah, moments really are good. fleeting. Sometimes they last seconds, minutes, years. Sure. Appreciate them while you got them.
0: That's right. So, I don't know, where, where are we So, outside? that's what... We're, we're about an what, hour. What, yeah. So, um, I don't want to... I, I, you what, know you want to. Well, I have a couple of things. yeah. yeah. What made you want to... How, how did you do Bonnaroo that first time eight years ago? How would that come about? My Burning Man? Yeah. Like I did Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo and Burning Man. I'm sorry, man. Man. Yeah. Bonnaroo once so, was enough for me, personally. So, Burning Man. What was the the, the impetus?
2: The impetus... Um, oh, my God. This was when... I, early 98, 99, there were... Uh, Bunch of us here in New Orleans that played soccer together and hung out and did things at the Foreign Boys Club, is what it's called. That's like one of the few American born people in the group. But a couple of friends of mine mentioned that they'd been out to Burning Man and, you know, like, you know, zipping around in lazy boy chairs, shooting guns and doing this and doing that. It's like, oh, it sounds like a wild time. I kind of want to do it. I, I, I like adventure. And, um, I heard it, but I said, well, someday I'll go out there. I won't just check it out from I'm too old to recover from anything I see or do. <laughs> so the first one was for my 50th, right after my 50th, the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. And um, got out there and had never been, like I said, never camped in my life, just did a shit ton of research on like what I needed. And went out there with two other people and had a camp that another friend was in. We got there like at three in the morning, couldn't get to the camp because it's so dark, and wound up sleeping in the SUV all night long and watching everything going on around us. And uh, woke up watching the sunrise out there, was like, this is it, this is, this is, this is it. Yeah. But you know, it was just not knowing what to expect and being more than pleasantly surprised by it. You know, and it, for me, it was like just getting out there and really seeing the art you know, these things that people have created and to be so far ahead of what the norm is in this country maybe even other parts of the world to see sure. intelligent people creating something that's outside the box that they don't get a chance to do any other time. Yeah. And again, <coughs> excuse me, to have that opportunity to be around forward-thinking people that are thinking about what's going to happen to this planet in the next Ten, fifteen, twenty years. So, we work did make a difference in creating that bond.
0: Yeah. So you come back and you feel uh, encouraged, optimistic, aware. I come back from Bernie Man, I Come back home. I mean, I think about like you're talking about like being around intelligent, forward-thinking people. Um, you know, I was at I was in D.C. yesterday uh, amongst the counter demonstrators mm-hmm. at the Nazi rally the Jason Kessler thing that only like 24 of those ass fucks showed up mm-hmm. there was like 5,000 of us and it's encouraging yeah and I but that was you know three hours of my life you know um, yeah I just have to imagine spending two weeks with 70,000 forward thinking intelligent people and no people. sleep you and sleep th- like maybe two or three hours right a and you're also probably partaking in things that sort of open and you're disconnected from the phone and the computer and all that shit yeah and then I, I I imagine when you come back to New Orleans from that is there a sort of I mean how I almost think of like myself like with skin being inside out almost like do you feel well, almost like exposed they call that like a dec-
2: decompression when you come back and you have to reorient yourself mm. yeah. to the as we call it the default world
0: right <laughs> right that's what I mean it's yeah. the
2: default world it's like all of a sudden your information overload and
0: uh, like there almost should be like a little like, ah. Intermediate place where you everyone should be able to go. It's usually, you usually know, like
2: a little cushion, like a little cot. Yeah, like stay home in your sofa and curl up in the fetal position like, somewhere It's somewhere. too much. Burning too Man much. halfway house. Yeah, man. Burning Man something like that. you
1: get reintroduced. You get
0: yeah, yeah. You slowly, <coughs> slowly like, like two, you get your phone for an hour a day,
2: two hours, uh, yeah, and and two hours and the next day, two hours the next right. day. Yeah, but yeah, it's certainly right. some people get <laughs> dive back in and others don't. I mean, as a result of you know the, my experiences over the years, I don't pay attention to to the news online as much as I used to or television right. even. It's like, you know what? If I want to know about it, I'll die. I'll go somewhere and I'll look for the information and get off. I don't want to get sucked into sure. sort of half pa- an hour, 45 minutes of passive this passive information. Over, just like, passive overload. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's right. overloading but it's Excuse passive because right.
0: you just... You're not necessarily seeking anything. But you're just like you're looking like, at what
2: else at is out you. there. What am I missing? What totally. am I missing? You know, because exactly. we just have this, you know, it's FOMO, you know, fear of missing sure. out. Yeah. Sure. It's like, what am I missing? It's like Facebook. Oh, my God. How come I wasn't invited to that party? I mean, it's like, it's like you're just yeah. overwhelmed by just fear of missing out. Sure. So
0: um, you're semi-retired, you came out of semi-retirement. I am no longer semi-retired. And so is this a full-time gig, what you doing now?
2: I'm with the Gulf Restoration Network, Yeah. gifts officer, uh, working with uh, 13 other amazing people, um, trying our best to protect and save the Gulf from Texas all the way over to Florida and the wetlands. Yeah. You know, I mean, This is our future. The things I've learned—I've been there. Like this is week number five, and um, the first—I mean—I've spent some time like meeting with each of the staff members, learning about what they do and this, their their perspective on things. And I was like, oh my god, I'm depressed and angry at the same time. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Just learning what people will do for money at the to the detriment of the environment. Sure. You know. And, humanity, roots, yeah. and humanity. You know. Yeah. Pollution, overfishing, this, that. I mean there's so many things. I mean I can just go down to the laundry. Let's go. Okay. Sign me up for this. You know. It was like, with all my years of experience I said, you know, like I want to take the time off, figure out what I want to do next and find something I'm going to be passionate about that I can use my knowledge. To help that organization or those the people I'm with or whatever, sure. And this just seems to be like the perfect fit. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, what are, are there any kind of like just in a nutshell, like major like initiatives that that, that the Gulf Restor- Restoration Network is doing in terms of is it uh, is it research, is it practical impl-
2: implementation, advocacy, both, advocacy? Okay. You know, we're there to keep an eye on things. Uh huh. And to, to say, no, you can't do this, or you know, this is why you can't, or this is why you should do this this way. And increase
0: awareness. So you're advocating uh, with corporations, politicians, Whatever communities, need to do. et cetera? Right. Okay. Come on, I'm like a noob at this. You're advocating for doing the right thing.
2: We're advocating for doing the right thing. Yeah. You know? Right. Again, I've, I'm just five weeks into it and still working sure. a lot. sure. But um, it's just, it's a good thing for, I mean, we're, we're Louisiana, the sportsman's paradise. Yeah. What's going to be the, 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 the slogan when there's nothing left to hunt or fish?
0: That's right.
2: You know, uh, when, you know, the, the seafood tastes like, you know, WD-40 or something like that. Right. I mean, you can, you can, you can only put so much hot sauce on it before it still tastes like oil. <laughs> uh, no matter what, it's still going to taste like something else that you don't want, uh, and you just have to f- wonder about you know how it affects you physically or what it's going to do to generations to come yeah you know if these, 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 these the waters aren't protected if the land isn't protected, yeah, you know are we all expendable for the sake of a dollar or two dollars and fifty cents? Yes. <laughs> You but know. is there
0: some good news? Like, I mean, do you, is, is, are there some, you're learning about a lot of stuff that sucks.
2: I'm learning about a lot of stuff, but I just but, know that it's under the current administration. I know we will always have something to do. It's going to be an uphill battle. Sure. You know, I mean, I just read, I mean, I just finished saying I don't read as much, but I pay attention to what some things, some things that are happening now and, mm-hmm. Just looking at like how the EPA is being, I mean, just like no, up. he just
1: he just find <coughs> something that's going to allow mining companies to dump into waterways, you know. So that's going to that's going to shed into the Greater Mississippi Valley watershed, and it's going to come down and it's going to empty into the Gulf of Mexico at the mouth of the river, and it's going to create a larger dead zone and,
0: and asbestos is back.
1: It, it, Espe- oh, yes, let's not forget it's yeah. being
2: we Re- use in different ways, like in sealants. <laughs> we use it in tremendous
0: ways. People have been telling me that asbestos, used correctly, is great. What's the correct way? Of using uh, it? That's just how I assume that he thinks about it.
1: I think I think it's so. It's like everything that's evil. You know what I mean? Like it like it's the most evil thing that you can think of. Almost, it's like the Joker is running government. Yeah. it'd be like he like you know I saw. This uh, show about the hospital on Showtime, right? And they didn't use the lead jacket for the X-rays at all. Right. There was no no lead jacket, and we should go back to that. You know what's not a good thing? (laughs) Just like bombarding you with this tetanus
0: shot thing. Let's get rid of that. (laughs) So you cut yourself on some rusty here. Why?
2: (gasps) Why do you need to go to school? Just press a button. (laughs) Yeah, you need to go to school. Have someone else tell you something. So yeah. So anyway, I mean, I've gone into what I'm doing just to (laughs) help us save ourselves. Yes, good. And encourage others to help us save.
0: Well, hopefully we'll impeach this fuck um, after the midterms, and then you'll get a little bit more leeway to do that job.
2: I don't know. I mean, did you read the article on, uh, was it NPR or was it PBS? Published with the 11-year-old and they have a a, a hacking competition in, in Florida, I think it is. But he basically hacked an imitation of the Florida elections website to yeah. change the, the winners of races and all that sort of 11 stuff. 11-year-old did 11 that. years old in 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes. That's kind of scary. Right? People wake up. You know. Yeah. But then what's the point of going out the vote if it's going to be changed anyway? Ponder that. Riddle me that. Man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't we know. Just, said <laughs> yeah. just to
0: get used to voting and make it a habit and a behavior, so that when it's actually legitimate, it'll work.
1: No, it should
2: be a habit. Everybody should be out there voting. Yeah, we gotta get out
1: Look, there. Look, I think despite any of the, any of that, and I agree that those. I mean, clearly those security uh, risks are maybe greater than risks. Maybe there there's a, a better word to. Uh, gaping holes, you know, I don't know what, but I still have faith that there is a blue wave and that that blue wave is coming and, uh, you know, just listening to another podcast the other day with somebody and I, th- I thought somebody very smart was talking about it uh, as a minimum of 50 seats in the house and like a super tsunami would mean. 70 right a exactly. gain of 70 mm-hmm. like that is yeah. the, the latest analysis is like the worst and it's 23 to gain and it's i don't know i think it's like 45 to get where they are now mm-hmm. and uh, so you're talking about a shift potentially that puts democrats in control uh to a greater degree than the republicans are now mm-hmm. um and look I'll, I'll leave with uh, words of hope on that front, which is this, because I did my uh, research on how impeachment takes place. And I know this has nothing to do with New Orleans, except we're part of this country, kind of. And, uh, you know, the, as soon as the ink is dry on the election, um, there's going to be an impeachment proceeding. And as long as the committee votes to mm-hmm. have that happen... Um, There's no way, because you only need a simple majority in the House in order to get it referred over to the Senate. There's no way it's not happening. So there's going to be a trial. There's going to be an impeachment trial as long as you get out and vote. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think that Democratic strategists should be pushing, although I know they're not. And that's what we can do on podcasts like this. If you vote for your Democratic candidate, there will be an impeachment trial but he's not going to get impeached. So that's what's right. going to happen. Because they're it's not going, going to be on the they're Senate, going, yeah. Because you have to have a supermajority in the Senate mm-hmm. right. in order for it to happen. And he's going to get acquitted. But then what's going to happen is this, is that the prosecutors who are in possession of that evidence are going to wait for him to resign or leave office, and then, and then, then they're going to put him in jail. Him jail forever, yeah. And if I could say this, finally, the only way for him to get out of this, which is exactly the same track that Nixon took, is to resign first and strike a deal with Pence to be pardoned in order to avoid jail times. That is, and I know Pence is just as bad, but at least he's a stooge that gets controlled, and he's not running around trying to start wars and perhaps a yeah, trade war. Yeah, he's controlled by Congress, for sure. I mean, he's, he's going to be controlled. Yeah. Anyway, my point is this, is that there's a path to getting rid of this guy. And, um,
0: just gotta vote in November. You
1: just gotta vote in November. And you gotta gotta have at least enough faith that uh, turning out is gonna help to get rid of this fascist wave that we have right now. And I will say that again and again, even though I know a lot of people don't, they don't wanna use the language fascism and they don't wanna use the language Nazi. But guess what? For about 10 years before there was Hitler, they were saying the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? oh it's not so bad maybe it isn't who knows let's guess don't guess about it No. just accept exactly. the fact that it's going to get Ex- that bad accept what they're f- saying and use that as momentum to go yeah. and vote
2: well it's actually it's funny you should mention that the thing that Hitler everything was going on before that just take a walk through the World War II museum and look at the propaganda that was used yeah. leading up to the war it's, yeah. like, it's like holy shit it's like deja vu or as I say deja vu because I'm looking at the same thing that's right. From you know, decades yeah. ago, and here we are back here. That's right. Here we are back at it. Right? Exactly. So. So at least we know he went to school to learn how to do that.
0: War, War, uh, World War Two uh, Museum in New Orleans.
2: Everybody. Yes,
1: that's right. That's right. Come visit. Come and visit it. Go there on Sundays. You can meet my father. He's there. Is he? Volunteering. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Does he look like you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, probably. You know. Or do you look like him? 30, 30, 30, I I would say it's that I look like him. You know, a little bit more than he looks like me. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Dwayne, thanks for coming on the show, man. You've had a storied career here in New Orleans uh, and some of uh, being in a great position to do good for this city um, with some cultural institutions that are uh, really uh, indispensable. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, well, thanks man. Thanks for I having it. me. Yeah. Appreciate
0: it. Such a pleasure. Thanks, Dwayne.
1: Okay, folks, it's a good goodlightbabe.com. Jeff and Joel Stales from New Orleans. I don't know if I have anything to plug. Joel, do you have anything to plug? Nope. Yeah, egg Oak Jubilee recording our next record uh, We got some gigs coming podcast up Podcast is a back, bit we, a little, we had a little bit of a break Yeah, podcast is yeah the podcast is coming back We're probably going to start rescheduling At yeah. a certain point, we might be recording on Sundays so Dropping on Mondays We'll be dropping in on Monday Whereas we had been doing it uh, most of the time on yeah. Tuesdays But uh, just uh, look out for us folks And a shout out to Amsterdam Phil and uh and all Shout our out to cousin andy cousin andy and all our friends out there uh friends of the podcast and we'll catch you next time it's a good dot com. jeff and joel's tales from new orleans
0: yeah you're right